Good morning, everyone. Thanks for joining us at Anthem. Great to be with you all. Um, I just love getting together on Sunday mornings with our church community and with those of you who are maybe just checking this out. Uh, welcome. I hope you'll find it an encouragement to you today, and we're really glad to be with you. I don't know if you're a little bit like me over these last 14 weeks of the quarantine slash isolation slash, you know, stay home thing that we've all been in, but there's times when I feel like I'm fine with it. And I'm doing well. You know, we moved into a new house at the beginning of the year. We got new Wi-Fi and we thought, well, we got food in the fridge. We're all good. And then there's been other times when I just feel like I need people in my life. And maybe you're the same as that. You're trying to do the right thing. You're trying to, uh, uh, you know, obey the guidelines and rules and stuff. But you're also trying to keep your sanity as well in the midst of things. And, you know, Zoom can only go uh, a certain distance in replacing actual relationships, can't it? Uh, you know, Liz and I, uh, my wife and I, like, talked to many of you in this past week um, because we had done that survey a few weeks ago at Anthem, and we discovered that the survey results were just all over the map between people's comfort level with uh, continuing to be separate from community and then needing relationships and community and needing to get back into the real world. And, you know, that's, that's kind of normal, I think, dependent on whether we're cautious or whether we're extroverts and we want to be with people. Um, but sometimes even outside of coronavirus, outside of COVID-19 and the struggle that's been going on, Christian community is sometimes tough for many of us. Some of us have got good reasons why we feel like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, like, to dive into my relationship with God, like the vertical part of it, but I'm going to keep these horizontal relationships at somewhat of an arm's length, maybe you've, been, you've experienced hurt in the church or uh, in Christian communities. Maybe you feel like you've been let down by Christian leaders in the past. And so the idea of engaging uh, in an uncomfortable Christian community isn't something that you're really ready to jump into. Uh, you know, when it comes to uh, the Christian community, somebody said that... Uh, that Jesus came to, dis to comfort the disturbed and to disturb the comfortable. I don't believe that God ever wants, uh, for those of us who are comfortable, I don't believe that God ever wants to leave us where we are. But he's always drawing us into something new, something deeper that will stretch us and create discomfort for a while. Um, I, the beginning of COVID, I sat in a chair for a month eating ice cream. Like, honest, like, full disclosure, didn't do great at getting up, getting out, moving around. And a little bit into that, I realized I just got to start exercising. I'm not great at exercising anyway, but I've got to get fitter. So I started walking 12,000 steps a day, um, started biking and running a little bit more. And at the beginning, um, just biking up and down the hills in our neighborhood was a stretch. A couple of times I got off my bike and just had to walk. But as I leaned into the discomfort of the exercise that I badly needed to do, you know, within a couple of weeks, I was biking up hills that I previously wasn't able to, um, to get up just because I was just committed. I've got to break through this discomfort and get to a place of strength. And sometimes moving in, uh, leaning into discomfort will get us to a place of strength. Now, what if you and I took a deeper look at leaning into our, the Christian community that God's called us to be a part of? Uh, not because of or, or anything to do with the situation we've been in, but just because it's the way that God actually wants us to function. He wants us to function in relationship with one another. Now, uh, Paul, the apostle who, was, uh, who started 
a slew of churches in the first century, um, and was, uh, his letters actually form a big part of the New Testament. Letters to those churches form a big part of, of the New Testament. He wrote to, uh, to one city, a city, in, uh, a city called Corinth, which is in modern-day Greece, um, about how the Christian community was uh, supposed to be, uh, uh, to be formed and what it should look like, and he described it in a very unique way that I really love. Um, now, these, this church was from a variety of socioeconomic uh, backgrounds. They're a, a rich community, but they've been divided about who takes what roles in the church. They've been struggling with different people's economic status. And they're probably from a different you know, political bent, like many of us in this community, probably from different uh, spheres of influence in that as well. And amidst their divisions... Paul is getting with this community and he's saying, here's what the church should look like. Here's what the Christian community should look like. And people, it is like nothing on earth. Nothing on earth is like the community that you get to be a part of, the church. You know, in our culture, uh, we would talk about uh, communities of faith and faith communities. And that's sort of a broad term that's given in America to uh, mosques or synagogues or churches. But... um, According to the Bible, the church is a unique faith community because it's founded on its relationship with Jesus Christ. And, uh, and so I'm going to read this passage of Scripture in 1 Corinthians 12. And it's a, an allegory that describes what the church is to be. And uh, there's a few verses here I'm going to read. Sit back in your armchair, grab a coffee, listen to this, and listen to this journey that Paul takes us on as he describes what the church is. Just as a body, though one, has many parts, but all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one Spirit so as to form one body, whether Jews, Gentiles, slave or free, we were all given one Spirit to drink, even though the body is not made up of one, but many. Now, here's where it gets fun right here. Now, if the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? And if the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? But as it is, there are many parts, but one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I do not need you. On the contrary, these parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And the parts that we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor. And the parts that are unpresentable, we treat with special modesty, while our presentable parts need no special treatment. But God has put the body together, giving greater honor to the parts that lacked it. So there would be no division in the body, and, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with us with it. Now you 
are the body of Christ. And each one of you is a part of it. You know, sometimes the Bible and Jesus used analogies and uh, illustrations, parables to describe stuff around us that we would never use because it was a farming economy and he'd talk about sheep and shepherds and he'd curse fig trees and, you know, talk about harvests and this sort of thing. It was a very sort of agricultural world. Um, but this analogy right here, like, it doesn't matter what century you live in, right? All of our body, none, none of the functions of our bodies have changed since Paul described what the, how the body can, uh, is an illustration for the church. Nothing's different. Uh, but if it is, and maybe you do need a little bit of 21st century dialogue here, uh, I want to give an opportunity for another way to describe the body and its functions. And so just for a couple of minutes, for a bit of fun this morning, let's let my friends Dwight Schrute and Jim Halpert um, kind of explain a little bit about what we're talking about here. So uh, watch this clip from The Office. Why? 20 minutes a day, Jim. That's all it takes. 20 minutes a day, all feet, no hands, and I'll have the pedidexterity of a chimp, and you'll be sitting there like an idiot. I'm sorry, Pam. Allow me to write you an apology letter. You don't have to do that. D. E. A. Next, please. A, dear. Thank you, hands. Nothing else in the universe can do what you do. Don't worry about it. Dwight. It's okay. You were wrong. It's so hot. Well, A for effort, right? All right, you've got till the end of 2020 to, uh, if you haven't caught up on The Office yet, there's nine seasons, Ashley Pipkin, you need to catch up a little bit, so do some work there. Seven seasons if you're Mikey, because he doesn't believe in the last two seasons. But, you know, us being the body, the body of Christ is the most easy and understandable visual to, to explain what the church is supposed to be about. Because the body of Christ is another word, is another name to describe what the church is. It's the physical representation of Christ's body on the earth. He is the head and we are the body with multiple parts and we represent Him. And we're called to be together, to be committed to one another. Now that should be the, the easy part right there. Um, you know, but our world is, is, uh, is generally fairly isolated, and we often live fairly isolated lives. Uh, Apple always kind of coined this for me with like the iPhone and the iPad, and it's just designed with that I at the beginning because we live in a me-focused, uh, let's just customize this world for me, consumeristic type society. And that's, that's not what the body of Christ is supposed to be because we're supposed to lock arms and be thinking the most about one another. Look back at, at Genesis 
chapters 1 and 2. And when you, you see the description of God creating the world, uh, it's, it starts out that God created uh, the world and created light and dark. And at the end of each day of creation, it describes his work as being good. It says, and God saw that it was good. And then he'd create something else, and God saw that it was good. And then he'd create animals, and God saw that it was good. Plants, God saw that it was good. All the way up to the sixth day of creation when he creates man. And then there's this one subtle change, one tiny difference. When man is created before woman has been created, cremated, created, it says, and God says, it was not good for man to be alone. This was the first it's not good ever recorded in the Bible. It's something that God did was not good because it wasn't complete until there was community that created, that represented, that that reflected who God was. And God has always wanted us to be together and to be committed to one another in real relationships. It's God's will for us to be committed to the discomfort of the body of Christ. It's easy for us sometimes who've, been, um, uh, who've had a hard time maintaining or developing and maintaining relationships to dig in and to press into friendships and relationships that are going to strengthen us when it feels like it's too hard and we've had a bad experience in the past. But as much as there might be sort of legit reasons to, to, to back off and to stay away from other people, I believe God's best life for us is in the context of relationship with other people. We're called to be together, and we're called, as well as that, to interdependence, to being uh, uh, appropriately dependent on one another. That passage of Scripture in verse 21 said that the eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you, and the hand, the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. Uh, our bodies were designed to be legitimately dependent on, on one, uh, for the parts of our body to be legitimately dependent on one another. And it's the same with the church. Uh, Oscar Murio from Ni- Nairobi Chapel describes it like this. He says, the liver never says, uh, I've been a part of the body for 50 years. I've given and given. I've cleaned the toxins in the blood. I've, I've wanted, I want to do my own thing. So I'm just going to cut loose and be my own man. I'm the liver. I can do my own thing. If, if it did, it would be a, a, a certain uh, sickness and certain death because the body of Christ consists of all the organs interdependent on one another, all working in harmony with one another. Uh, and really, the only cells that, that, bef- that behave in our body as free sort of, you know, free agents doing their own thing um, growing at their own rate, their own code, disconnected from the rest of the body, are what we call cancerous cells, and they kill the body. The body is, 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 is killed by somebody, something in the body that's trying to do its own thing. And it's the same with the church. As, as much as we think, you know, I'm going to disconnect myself from the container that God wants to fill with his presence and just go out on my own, we... we we reduce the impact and the effectiveness of the body immediately. Every organ is designed to give something and to receive something from the body. Let me ask you this morning, how might God be challenging you? And I don't want to put words in your mouth this morning or anything like that. How might God be challenging you to to be needing other parts of the body of Christ rather than to decide, I'm going to live on my own? 
but to allow ourselves to need other parts of the body of Christ. You know, as well as that, as well as being interdependent, we are called to honor the weaker parts of the body. Verse 22 says that those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. Now, most of us um, are very unaware of our pituitary gland. All right? The pituitary gland is like a small, pea-sized organ that uh, sits at the base of your brain, uh, near where the spinal cord connects to your brain. And this morning, here in the garage, we've got somebody who's much more of a medical expert than I am. So I'm already kind of messing stuff up, and I'm just going to keep rolling here. But let me tell you this. You know, guys, guys here in the room who you either married or you've been in love in the past or you're in love right now, you, when, when you met your, when you were, you, you were in love and you're all googly-eyed with your girlfriend or your spouse and, you know, you were just letting her know how beautiful she was and how amazing she was, you would talk to her and just say, oh, I just love your eyes. Your eyes just capture my heart. I love to look into your eyes and I just get lost. And she'd be like, oh, and she'd start crying. She's all verklempt and she's like trying to just hold herself together because you're just so romantic and you're doing such a great job of, of wooing her. Or maybe, you know, you talk about her hair and you're out for a walk and her hair is blowing in the wind and you just say, your hair is so beautiful today, blowing in the wind. It looks amazing. Um, I wonder how many of you guys have actually looked at your wife or looked at your girlfriend and said, I am just blown away by your pituitary gland. It just does something to me. It just makes my heart flutter. It's just, I just can't control how emotionally I am just attached to your pituitary gland. No, it, it never gets any attention whatsoever. But the pituitary gland secretes a, a, a dozen or so hormones into our body that you don't want to live without. But there, you see, there are vital parts of our body that we're not even aware of that bring a vital contribution every minute to our health. Verse 26 says that if one part of the body of Christ suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part of the body is honored, every part rejoices with it. When one part of the body suffers, it should demonstrate the body of Christ at its best. Like if, I, if I'm in the kitchen, you know, cutting vegetables for dinner or something, and I cut my finger, the whole body comes together to, to fix that problem. Like firstly, like again, without true medical expertise, my finger sends a message to my mouth to express the feeling I am having, you know, either in maybe like with words with four letters or less or something. But, uh, and then my, my brain sends a message to my feet to get me over to the sink to wash the wound. And then those cells start, start healing that wound. And then a scab is formed over the top and the scab's like saying, okay, while, while there's pain, while there's healing need to happen, I'm going to cover you and I'm going to protect you in the process of it. You know, we've been in a situation recently with um, racial equality in the world that is much, actually much, much bigger than just the body of Christ. But I, leave, but I believe that there are many people in the body of, within the body of Christ who are facing that same inequality and hurt and injustice as a result of the racial tension and, and years of racial tension that they faced in their lives. You know, I've talked to uh, uh, 
my African-American friends in our community. I've talked to my African friends in our community and just uh, and other people of color at Anthem and just try to begin to listen more than I normally do to their pain and some of their experiences. And I've just become way more aware of my own prejudices uh, and sometimes my own ignorances to my own ignorance to their to the injustices and to the prejudice that they face and the oppression. And you know, it's when, when you and I listen to the stories and the experiences of those around us, those, those around us who are, who are struggling, that we, we learn and we experience what the body, what the responsibility of the body is to care for one another. We're called to honor one another as valuable parts of the body. And give special honor. Give special honor when we're aware of someone's need. You know, that passage we started out, uh, started out by saying, we were all baptized in one spirit so as to form one body, whether Jews, Gentiles, slave or free, and we were all given the one spirit to drink. You know, the, at, the, at the time when this was written, the, the conflict between Jews and Gentiles was, was a big one. It was a big gap. It was the sort of the equivalent racial div- or ethnic divide then that we face today. And this isn't a, um, over these uh, next few weeks as we talk about this series, Uncomfortable, this isn't a series about race, but it is a series about us thinking about the other, about thinking about living in community in harmony with the other. And some of that has to include how we respond to those who are a different race from ourselves and, and have a worldview that is remarkably different because of the way that they have experienced uh, life for so many years. And we're going to talk about this in, in more detail in a couple of weeks. But I want to ask you today, what do you think is your part in the body of Christ? What do you think is your response to this passage of Scripture that says all of us in the body of Christ have a part to play? Maybe, maybe you are the first to say, well, I don't really see where we're going. I don't, I'm not a leader. I don't know what's out there, what's next for us, what we need. Maybe you're not the eyes in the body of Christ. Maybe God's called you to be the legs that are going to get us there or to be the arms that are going to bring strength or to bring the mind that, is bring, that brings wisdom. Maybe, maybe right now it's important for you to be reaching out to those you know in the body of Christ who are in pain, who are in need. Reaching out to your neighbors and representing Christ every time you do it. Maybe sitting next to somebody at work and reaching out to them as a representation of the body of Christ. As the body of Christ getting around people in our community and reaching out to them. Ephesians 4.16 says that from Him, as in from Christ, the whole body joined and held together by every supporting ligament grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. Hear that? Each part does its work. That means I've got to do work to fulfill my part of the body. I've got, you've got to do work in order to fulfill you're part of the body of Christ. Sometimes it feels like work. That's not comfortable. I want, I want church to be on my terms. I want church to be full of comfort. Well, if, if each part has got to do its work as part of the body of Christ, there's some discomfort involved. It starts from Him, 
and it works down to all of us alongside one another. It can be uncomfortable, but if we lean into discomfort, we can experience growth. You know, I'll close with this thought. Back in February when we all um, started to hear about what COVID-19 was and the impact that it could potentially have on our lives, uh, the idea was coming up on the media that maybe it'd be a good idea to wear a mask. You could, you could put a mask on and you could, uh, you could stop yourself from, from, from getting the coronavirus. Well, in no time at all, the opinion came up that, like, well, actually, wearing a mask is not going to stop you from getting coronavirus because droplets or whatever it is could still get in uh, or they could come through your nose or, your, or through touching. Um, but a few weeks into that, our views pivoted on whether or not we should wear a mask. Till now, it's here in Massachusetts, it's normal and it's mandated in public for us to be wearing masks if we can't maintain social distance. And here's what I think happened, is that we transitioned from thinking, how am I going to take care of myself, to the thought that if we all wore masks during this time, um, uh, I am taking care of you. And although, you know, we can't stop you from getting it, it it's much more likely that it's going to stop you from passing it on, or at least that's the theory behind it, right? We pivoted from, from, real, from thinking about ourselves to realizing, wait, if every single one of us were to think about every single one of us, we might have a fighting chance of, of kicking this thing where it hurts and reducing the cases in, in no time at all. And it seems to have happened because we thought about the other. Because we stopped thinking about ourselves, but we thought about you and you. We, we thought about those who were within our sphere of influence, those who were within our circle. And I believe it's the same thing that God wants for the body of Christ, that we don't think as consumers, but we think as, com- as community. We think, how does, does who I am impact others? How does the part that I play in the body of Christ or don't play? impact those who are around me. And I pray that over these next few weeks, as we enter into this discussion as to what it means to be the body of Christ, to be the church, to be the community and the representation of Christ on the earth, we will enter into discomfort, but we will enter into growth. Let's pray together. Lord, I thank you that I get the opportunity to stand shoulder to shoulder with a growing group of people who I call friends, people who I'm, I'm loving getting to know in our community, people who are reaching out in their own spheres of influence to be what we often call the hands and feet of Jesus, to be reaching out to those who you've put around them. And God, today I pray that you will, you will stretch us a, a little bit further in that, that we will be committed to one another, that we will be interdependent, or we will be committed to those uh, who in our community who are brothers or sisters, and, and, and the same to our world. Lord, help us, I pray, to, um, to bring healing to the divides that are so prevalent in our culture right now. Help us to enter into difficult conversations. Help us to look to you for strength and grace in all of that. And we know we'll fail so many times, and we look back and we know we failed so many times, but God, we want to make a conscious, determined effort to be a great representation of Christ in this broken world at such desperate times.
And God, we look to you for that today. And it's in Jesus' name we pray.